loud. Good morning, everyone. I really appreciate Pastor Mike getting sick today so I could come and speak for him. I don't mean that. That was a joke. And if you're new here, you'll have to get used to the fact that I do have a bit of a twisted sense of humor. Um, Last minute? Not really. This morning would have been last minute. That would have been last, you know, really last minute. But um, I had the opportunity, thankfully, to uh, go to work a little bit and uh, take out a nice stale sermon that will help you have a little nap this morning. I'm kidding, of course. And uh, some of you just shaking your heads like, just get on with it, right? The last time I was here, uh, actually, there was a series that I did because we were in the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. And, um, but I parked on the one section that everybody loves that says, forgive us our debts as we, yeah, and forgiveness is a huge issue, and so I spent three weeks on it, and every week when I was done, people kept telling me, uh, when are you going to give us the rest of it? When are you going to give us the rest of it? I thought three weeks should have been enough. We should have that all figured out, right? Not really. So I'm going to ask that you join me in prayer this morning because I want to talk about this particular issue of prayer. And I love that last song, Give Me a Holy Passion. Um, this world is empty, pale. It is compared to knowing our Savior. Does anybody agree with me on that? Amen. And uh, if you do recall my being here before, you have to talk to me, (laughs) have to talk back, okay? Let's pray together. So, Lord, we cast ourselves on your mercy. Um, There have been a number of things prayed and sung and commented this morning about your goodness and and also about our weakness and our brokenness. And um, I think of the passage in Hosea, how you will discipline your people. You can, um, if you can help us to learn how to break our will and submit ourselves to you, then you come in and you heal us. And remarkable things strengthen our inner man and woman and build us up in our most holy faith. And we thank you for those, those revival principles that are scattered throughout your word and that we're in constant reminder of need of reminding. So this morning I pray in the great name of Jesus that you would grant Holy Spirit for us to have ears to hear, no matter what your servant might say, um, in his weakness and with uh, his limitations, I pray that your spirit would drop something of use and benefit and upbuilding into the hearts of your precious children. Build us up, Lord. Build us up in our most holy faith, as it is referred to in the New Testament. Strengthen your servants. Lord, we're living in, as we've been hearing in prayer just a few minutes ago, we're living in desperate days. Uh, It looks like the world is coming apart at the seams, and it looks that way because it is. But we rest in the God who rules in the heavens. He weighs the nations. He does whatever he pleases. 
And Lord, we need to see that you're the one who has set your affection on us, and we need to rest in that, whatever may come. And we pray, as you taught us, Lord, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This morning, I pray for the help of your spirit here in this assembly among your precious people. In the great name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Well, I told you that I had spoken on prayer, and I want to give just a general instruction this morning, because if you're a Christian, you probably pray. You, you prayed at least once, right, to become a Christian. That's how you became one, and uh, we do pray, and maybe you're like me. I never feel like I'm super good at it. Anybody relate? Uh, some of the greatest prayer warriors, people like, um, uh, well, don't you love it when uh, you can't remember the name? This is what happens when you get old and retire. Uh, Brother Lawrence, I think it was him, who was struggling with prayer, or maybe it was a campus, I can't remember. He finally said one day, you know, um, I really worked hard to try to become a good prayer And I found that as years went on that I just never really got good at it. When I finally settled that with the Lord, I did a lot better after that. (laughs) I'm never going to be really great at it, but I'll do what I can. And he enjoyed God more. Anybody know the Westminster Confession of Faith? What is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? Why are we here? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Does anybody else have trouble enjoying him once in a while? Oh, I guess I'm the only one. Okay. Well, hopefully this might help just a bit. So I would like to look at the text, and I want to start just before that section that Jesus instructed his disciples to pray what we call the Lord's Prayer, which really was the disciples' prayer. In Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount is... is, uh, is recounted, chapter 5, 6, 7, and in uh, chapter 6, we read the commands that Jesus gives to his disciples about prayer. So I don't know if they've got it. Yeah, we've got it. You guys are awesome up there. Thank you. Here's what he says. So when you pray, let me just give you a quick outline. There's going to be two and two. There's going to be two don't do's, and there's going to be two do do's. Okay? Don't do and do. Do. All right. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, and that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He goes on. And when you pray, this is the second don't. Do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. They think that they'll be heard for their many words. Instead, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And he continues on the instruction. Pray this way. Here's the do. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you could pray this along without even reading it, right? You don't need to read it. You know it by heart. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. Is this the one that adds the rest? I think that's it, because it's also in the book of Luke. Here's the instructions on how to pray. And what I have found, I thought I would not even hear that their pronouns really spiritual. Used to be, I think, I'm thankful mostly, I think we've moved away from this. Used to be in church, you had to use a lot of King James-type language to have a really good prayer, right? Remember the King James, thou knowest, oh, thou things, and the other thing, and on, on. that. We're more occupied with what other people might be thinking. Really, what that kind of praying is, is non-praying. It's really image management. I'm concerned about what other people think. Remember, Jesus said, I'm telling you, the person that's praying that way already has his reward. What's the reward? Wow, that was a really cool prayer. That was very spiritual. I could never pray like that in synagogue, so I'm not even going to try. Ever felt like that? I know, I know, it happens, right? In prayer meetings or what? I, I just, some of us are nervous about praying. You know, it's okay to be nervous, but we're more concerned maybe with who's hearing in the room than the one that we really want to have hear us. And so in a way, that is... Image management, prayer, performance, it's a form of, it came out of legalism, but to that person, God is the invisible God, but not in the right way. He is the invisible God, but to that person, he's invisible in the wrong way. Everything in our hearts, in our motivations, the scripture tells us we are stark naked, it's all open before God. He knows the intents and thoughts of our hearts. So if he knows that already and he petitions us or he tells us, come to me and talk to me because I'm your father and I love you, uh, then I should move past worrying about what other people think. In fact, sometimes I think praying the right way may get the disapproval of people. You know, can happen. There's actually a, uh, a revival principle there. I, I, I couldn't help my mind. I almost, and maybe you'll say, next time preach the other sermon. Maybe you will, I don't know. I almost thought I should shift gears with that Hosea passage and talk about what it means when the church is renewed, when we experience renewal. But there is a revival principle. It's basic to walking in the Spirit and enjoying God, the the way he wants us to, and that is break the bondage in your life of worrying more about what other people think than what God already knows about you. He already knows it all. That's why it's interesting when you're walking a person through to spiritual freedom, perhaps they've been caught, trapped, damaged by sin. There's been all kinds of deep secrets that they're afraid to let out. There's something about that release when, when that person finally says, okay, God knows it all already. You're not going to surprise him. And the person that's tuned in with God's spirit, he's not going to be surprised or shocked or fall off his chair either because God wants to free you from that burden that is killing you. Unfortunately, some of that's a little close to home for 
someone in my family right now that I'm thinking about. But I've seen God break through when they finally realize, you know, God knows everything about me. There's no point to holding back. Let's get clean. Um, I'm, what time, now, uh, Mike told me I could preach till one o'clock. Is that correct? I got a reaction out of you anyway. Okay. How, what time do we end this? It says 11.24 already. That's like we're almost an hour in. How long does he go? Okay, we're good then. Because I, I had one of my ADD moments, and I thought of something that's a great illustration. You want to hear something funny? i got to tell you this. So I had a guy leave my church one time um, because I, before the days of being on video and all of that, which would then reveal it, and the leaders of this group knew that there had to be nothing hidden. There had to be total transparency. And he would not give in, and he would not give in, and he's weeping, and he's crying because he doesn't want to admit what happened to him. And they just stood over him and waited and said, what else are you not telling me? And finally, he breaks and he sobs and tells the damage that was done to him, the, the abuse that he encountered, and you can imagine, in our culture, it's not hard to imagine. As soon as, as, soon as he came clean, clean, they stand him up and put him against, against the wall. He doesn't know what's happening. happening. What, what, what they're doing is, you've passed the test, raise your right, 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 right hand, wear a wear allegiance. And you can see, see the joy on his face. face. He, he had to completely clean. clean. Some of us are going to take secrets to the grave. And you're robbing yourself. yourself. Because God wants us to see you There's something so glorious about that liberation that God gives us. I don't mean that we should go tattle everything about the most dirty stuff. That's not for public knowledge, but there are times that I have to meet with God about it, and sometimes I need a brother or sister or several to walk me through it. And even as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times I've been thankful for the sisters and brothers. There's been more sisters than brothers, actually, who have prayed with me until it broke. There it is, the lie. I can finally shake loose. Okay, I spent enough time on that, but I never finished the story. I had a guy come up to me one day and said, I have to leave this church. I said, why? Well, Jesus didn't show video clips. I'm just going to let that hang out there for a few minutes until we figure, do the math on it, okay? Uh, For those of you who don't know, they didn't have video back then. And um, the point is, yeah, Jesus would have used video clips. Anybody want to agree with me? Behold, yeah, amen, right? Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds. Look at anything I can get my hands on to get through. It's valid. So I have a clear conscience on that. If I get to heaven and find out otherwise, well, you all just turn your back when I get reamed out. That's the first thing. Break the bondage of worrying about what people think rather than what God knows to be true. And when you're praying, the number two no-no, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. 
the cruel and capricious gods of Rome and Greece and all of that. You had to appease, and they were capricious. They just, yeah, today I'll kill you, and tomorrow I'll love you, and you never knew. And God isn't like that. So these are people who are hoping by by mantras and memorials and candles and bribing the deity, maybe he'll be nice to us. It's magic. It's not true prayer. It's, it's hope so. There's no assurance because there's no connection. So Jesus says, don't be like that. Your father already has you in mind. He knows what you need. Oh, I remember one of the things I heard this morning uh, in prayer. I think it was Joe praying that uh, we get angry. Anybody ever get angry with God? Nah, not us, Pastor John. We're more spiritual than that. I just went through a season a little bit back. I had to get my attitude straightened out. But you know what? God didn't fall off his throne. He's He's still CEO. Here's what it says to do, Jesus says. You come to Father, to God as Father and as Holy. And here's where I'm going to end the sermon today because the future ones, if I have to come, if, if Mike gets sick again, <laughs> I'm kidding. I hope he doesn't. I hope he rises up soon, right? Pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Two things. He is our Father... And he is holy, which we don't fully get still. He's our father, and he's holy. When I was working on my doctorate at Covenant Theological, that's the um, Presbyterian Church of America, I said this in one church and got in trouble for it, but they're, they're the good guys. I'm just saying, they're the good guys. They believe the Bible, you know. Anybody ever heard of um, um, Francis Schaeffer, Dr. Francis Schaeffer? That school was his brainchild, etc. Just quality brothers and sisters. And I was in this class on worship, on the subject of worship. And by the way, the, one of the instructors used a video clip. It was a scene from, and I'm not recommending the film necessarily, Shawshank Redemption, because there was a part in there where uh, this prisoner who was really bright and he was also innocent, which isn't always true, but he snuck into the, uh, the uh, main offices and got a hold of the loudspeaker system and he put a beautiful opera aria on the loudspeaker system and people were walking in the yards and all of a sudden they heard this music and they all just stopped dead and they're listening. The instructor said, that's what God's trying to do for us in worship. You ever have your kid not listening and you have to do this? Are you listening to me? That's what God's doing when we come to worship. If you're not coming with some expectation, you need to check your attitude. Look at me. Look in my eyes. Listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> he's our Father, and He loves us, and He's also holy. So sometimes it's, look at me because I want to help you, I want to bless you. Sometimes it's, 
who do you think you're talking to? Do any of you have parents that ever said that to you? Just who do you... Mom, you check out right now. Okay. Who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Thankfully, God is full of compassion and mercy, right? Because I have occasionally not been so respectful. In fact, I've, I'm in my personal reading. I'm in Jeremiah, and Jeremiah went through a few bouts of frustration with God. If you've never read it, it's there. He's like, what are you doing? They don't listen to me, and you're making life harder for me, and how are you going to get glorified if they kill me or this or that and everything? And, and at one point, God listened to him patiently. said, look, here's the word of the Lord. Here's the word of the Lord. And then at one time, I, this caught my attention. It was just in the last two days. He goes, uh, if you'll repent, I'll bless the daylights out of you. That's my paraphrase, by the way. He didn't use daylights, but, uh, you know, pretty much. If you'll repent, what? Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, speaking the word of God. No question, one of the greatest prophets ever, right? He copped an attitude. God said, okay, you know, settle down. Get it out of your system. Now, settle down and repent, and let's get on with it. I have found I've had to do that. Let me get myself straight, Lord. You're God and I'm not. You're good, whether I'm feeling that you're good or not. It's what the word says. I'll stand on your word. We need to know he is our father, personal, relational. He loves us. The scripture tells us in Hebrews, come boldly before the throne of grace. You know that one? Come boldly before. And actually the word boldly there is not the best translation. The word is be frank. Be frank about it. Admit. Come clean. Be frank about it. This is what's driving me crazy, Lord. You have full access. You're accepted in the beloved. And the relationship has been established. And he wants to hear and will respond to those who, as it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. You have to believe that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's another interesting word, the word diligently. It was the word used to scrutinize, even strain at it with tears like Esau wanted his birthright back and he sought it with tears, but he couldn't get it. Remember that? Or the prophets of old used to look into the other prophets and scrutinize and dig, dig. What does this mean? What is God telling us? So there's something about that kind of praying, that scrutinizing, digging in. Even if it just means, I just need to know you better. I thought about that when, um, when I was putting this thing together, that... Um, when I came to, to know Jesus, of course, I was 20, I was in my third year of college, and I was off the rails, huge. That was the hippie generation, everybody, remember? All that wild and crazy hippie stuff it was back then. And when I finally, the light came on, which was grace, listening, it happened to be a Billy Graham transmission TV show, Three nights in a row, I'm watching it. For the first time, the lights are coming on. I was raised in a church, got off into the world, totally lost. Light came on. This is all I knew. I didn't have a four steps to peace with God. I didn't have, uh, what was Warren's booklet that he hand out? They're all good, good stuff. I didn't have any coaching. I didn't know how to pray. I got on my knees and I said, that's the truth. 
God, I, if you'll show me who you are, I'll do anything you ask. And he took me up on it. He showed me who he was. And the first thing I remember, and I don't know how I knew it, I knew in my guts I was accepted in the beloved. He just became my father. I'm in. Does everybody in the room understand what I mean? I'm in. Now, maybe yours wasn't so dramatic, but somewhere along the line, you came to the point where you said, I know I'm in. If you haven't, let me encourage you. Make an appointment with one of your elders. Come talk to me after the service. When Mike is feeling better, go talk to him. Make sure you're in. But that relationship, it was alive. I could sense it. That now I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. That's a song, by the way. So many stories. Uh, Anyway, let me just say this. Pray this way, and that's all we're looking at is, Our Father, one, he's my Father, and he cares about me. How wonderful. Even with all my nasty attitudes at times, he still loves me. Amen? Okay. Number two. Oh, this is the part. Just Can you stop now, Pastor John? Let's just close in prayer. He's holy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your name be honored and glorified. Gildenhuis, Norval Gildenhuis, one of your favorite authors, right? Dutch uh, brother in the Dutch Reformed Church, I believe in South Africa, scholar, wrote the commentary on the Gospel of Luke, the New International Commentary on the New Testament. The name of God in the Bible is the expression of his being. Yahweh, the one who is, the eternal one. I am who I am. The true God, he's trying to pack in as much as he can, but it's, we're limited. How do we get that? The, the true God of heaven. The Bible says that the name of God is the expression of his being, especially insofar as he has revealed himself to man. So the first supplication is that God should be, um, should be sanctified, set apart, honored, if you will, fill in the blanks, not only in the one praying, but in all creation. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the next sermon. That's not today. Your kingdom come. But he's holy. How many times in the Old Testament when a brother or sister encounter God, they go, as far as they know, the angel of the Lord, a manifestation maybe of the pre-incarnate Christ. We're dead! We just saw God! Anybody ever read any of that? It's in there. It's in there, right? Even the great Isaiah, this is the verse I I had the brothers put up for us. Then I said, when he saw the Lord lifted up, you all know the verse, right? Woe is me! Woe is me! I'm lost! For I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king. I should have been evaporated. He's God. He's holy. Holiness cannot abide sin or evil. There had to be something done 
to fix things so that we could be right with him. And we know that God satisfied his holiness through the cross of his son. We know that, right? We know that. Let me read something to put holiness in perspective. By the way, a book, if you're a a student type, you like to read. I'm going to be honest, I don't like to read. It's work for me. It's work. But I've had to do a little reading in my business. And uh, this book, John Stott, The Cross of Christ, is a classic. It's a classic. There's a new one written by another theologian. I haven't seen it yet. And at my age, I might not get to it. I don't know. But this one's outstanding. Listen to this. Talking about worship, etc. There's much shallowness and levity among us. Prophets and psalmists would probably say of us that there's no fear of God before their eyes. In public, our worship, public worship, our habit is to slouch, squat. We don't kneel nowadays, let alone prostrate ourselves in humility before God. I know there's exceptions in the room, right? I've been on my face flat out. There are times there's no other reaction that's right. It's more characteristic of us to clap with joy than to blush with shame or tears. We saunter up to God to claim his patronage and friendship. Listen to this. It does not occur to us he might send us away. No, we can't do that. Oh, yeah? We need to hear again the Apostle Peter's sobering words. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives in reverent fear. In other words, if we dare call him our judge, our judge, if we dare let me let me fix that. If we dare to call our judge our father, we must beware of presuming on him. Just who do you think you're talking to, right? We learn to appreciate the access to God which Christ has won for us only after we have first seen God's inaccessibility to sinners. We can cry hallelujah with authenticity only after we have first cried, woe is me, I am lost. In Dale's words, it is partly because sin does not provoke our own wrath that we do not believe that sin provokes the wrath of God. And the problem today is there's no such thing as sin at all. Have you noticed? What's sin anymore? When am I responsible for what I've done? It's everybody else's fault. Anyway, there's several outstanding comments in this book that put in perspective how God loved us in spite of the fact that he hated what we were like. He hated that. But he intervened because he set his affection on us through the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Aslan in, uh, yeah, what is it? C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, right? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Is it Lucy? He goes, a lion? Oh, my. Is he quite safe? Is he quite safe? Mr. Beaver, of course he's not safe. What kind of talk is that, you know? (laughs) Is God safe? No. He's holy. Why do you think? Isaiah's going, ah, because he's not safe, but he's good. He's good. We have to stop making God in our image. I have heard too many blogs, too many 
commentaries, too many lectures, dumbing God down and making him what he's not. Because I just don't like that. That doesn't sound very good to me. Oh, I'm sorry. He's God. You know, if you're, if you're dealing, and I know some of you brothers and sisters are dealing with cancer, and here's the cure, and it's a sickening process to go through, I don't like that. Well, do you want to live or not? I don't like it. Well, sorry. I don't like that part about God. Sorry. Do you want to be right with the true God or not? I want to be right, and I want to see him rightly, because it'll help me to pray. Anybody ever heard of A.W. Tozer? This is the last guy I'll quote. Okay, I promise I'm going to close because it's 1145, and that's how much Mrs. Mura gave me. You can take that to the bank, baby. All right. Among the sins which the human heart is prone to, hardly any other is more hateful to God than idolatry. For idolatry is at the bottom a libel on his character. The idolatrous heart assumes that God is other than he is, in itself a monstrous sin, and substitutes for the true God one made after its own likeness. Right? Well, I would never do that, so obviously God wouldn't. Always this God will conform to the image of the one who created it and will be base or pure, cruel or kind, according to the moral state of the mind from which it emerges. Remember when I said that the, the um, Ten Commandments is a great tutorial. Second, you shall not make a graven image. Why? Anything you do to try to get a good picture of me, you're going to get it wrong. It's not just about all those pagan gods. It's you're going to get me wrong doing this. So what happens? They get out for a few months, right? They got a little uh, calf, steel, uh, bronze calf. You know, look, look, uh, here's, here's Jehovah. No! You got it totally wrong. You got it totally wrong. Stop remaking him in our image. Our problem today, I, I like to say, one of the diseases of our culture is pendulumitis. Yeah? Pendulum. Oh, we don't want to be harsh, so we're way over here. We have no boundaries. Oh, that's terrible. We need to go way over here. We become legalists. Right? We do the same thing with our perspective. Well, which is it? Is he a God of love or mercy, or is he a holy God that cannot stand and will will judge in wrath sin. Which is it? Yes. Yes, both. Yes. And he has solved it for us through the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen? But make sure I'm seeing him as he is, not as I want him to say. I'm going to read one last thing, and I am going to stop talking. The decline of the knowledge of God, Tozer said, has brought on our troubles, not knowing who he really is, what he says is right and what he says is wrong. That's what's brought on our troubles. A rediscovery of the majesty of God will go a long way toward curing them. It is impossible to keep our moral practices sound and our inward attitudes right while our idea of God is erroneous or inadequate. If we would bring back spiritual power, and God knows... Doesn't his church today need spiritual power? 
If we would bring spiritual power back into our lives, we must begin to think of God more nearly as he is. So may God help us. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that uh, in the dronings of your servant's message, Holy Spirit, edify your children. And whoever, Lord, needs a fresh drink of cool water from the Holy Spirit, God, that he might find his way to the fountain of life. Help us today in the great name of Jesus, and we'll thank you and praise you and worship you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John.